and welcome back to Area 51 and a Half, where we talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, horror, and pop culture. I am your host, John Allen, and with me, as always, is my co-host and producer... Snyderman501, Nick Snyder. And Nick, this week, Ren has flown the coop. Yep, we don't have a Ren this week, but it's okay. We can, we can, we're big boys. We can do it by ourselves. Well, I'm glad you know tech, because I know nothing... But before we get too far into it, Nick, remind our aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on TikTok and you can find us on Twitter at the Area 51H. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Area 51 and a half. And of course, don't forget to check us out on YouTube by searching for Area 51 and a half. And definitely make sure to check out our new Patreon page at the Area 51H. So, Nick, uh, last time we recorded, we were live from Forest City Comic Con. Yes, we were. And I made the joke with our number one alien, Dawn, about getting married. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, she had heard that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we have been having some fun banter back and forth with that. Like, fun banter? Yes, like picking a date. And she's like, okay, my mother wants to know when, wants to see the size of the ring, what's going on here. Uh, so... So we, we've been going back and forth, and I said, listen, I, I don't care. I said, uh, what do you think about October? We'll get married in October. And she said, uh, no, no, I always wanted a June wedding. So we were talking about a June wedding. And I said, okay, I can I can be down with June. That gives us a little bit more time. She goes, I'll plan everything. You don't have to worry. I got it all up here. I said, fantastic. You plan everything. I only asked that maybe we do like a Harry Potter theme. And then she says, I, I, I've never actually read any of the books Oh. Or seen the movies. And I just wrote back, you think you know a person. I'm glad I found this out before we got married. Do you, do you feel betrayed? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't feel be, I don't feel betrayed. She's a, a wonderful gal. It's it's so nice talking to her uh, when, when I do get a chance to talk to her. Um, be, just because, you know, she just loves the podcast. This is why she's our number one alien. This is why we're calling the fan club the Dawn Squad. Because she's just... Uh, just a fantastic person, you know. Uh, and I got a little more detail on the ottoman she made for Tina Turner. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's like a white um, Rolls Royce kind of leather Ooh. that was used. Yeah. That's not that's awesome. I know, right? I know, right? But anyway, it is time for your pop culture roundup. All right. So it's been a few weeks. Uh, some interesting things have dropped in the past little while. So first thing, I'm going to go into the world of... Um, uh, game shows, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Ryan Seacrest has taken over hosting duties for Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, Pat Sajak is retiring. Yeah, good for him. He's been doing a lo- he's been doing it a long time. Well, yes, he long has. Time. He actually took over from Chuck Woolery many years ago mm-hmm. when it was a daytime game show, and then it got into the prime time. Vanna White has been there from the start, so I'm wondering how long she's going to stay without Pat. That's a great question. I mean, it's always been Pat Sajak and Vanna White, so it's kind of weird thinking about it as anything else. Well, it'd be Ryan Seacrest and Vanna White. I know. But, I know. you know... It doesn't uh, sound right. But but the thing of it is, she gets paid so much less, and it's not... I saw that. It's not really right. I think they need to bump it up a bit, you know? And uh, listen, I don't know who's listening to our podcast or who's not, but producers of Wheel of Fortune, yes, Pat Sajak's retiring. That is his choice. We will riot if you do Vanna White bad. Indeed, we will. Um, as far as their pay goes, though, I say at least ten grand a letter. 
<laughs> that would add up real quick. That would. Uh, we got our first look at Hugh Jackman in the classic yellow and blue suit for Deadpool 3. Oh, interesting. I am so excited for that. <laughs> I've Okay. I love the Brian Singer X-Men films. Yeah. But being able to see Hugh Jackman in the actual Wolverine suit, that's a whole other thing. Mm, mm-hmm. That is so, so fantastic. But he had two, though. I mean, yes, there's the classic yellow. Yeah, he had the... Uh, but he also had a red suit, if I'm... The, he, red well, is brown, kind of, Yeah, right? he, had, he had, um... In the Wolverine miniseries, I think. Um, well, it's, it's been in a few different comics. Like, in the mainline series, he's had the yellow and the reddish brown one. He's had the yellow and blue one. He started with the yellow and blue one. Yeah. Uh, he debuted in Hulk in the yellow and blue one. Right. Um, and he also had, as a part of X-Force, he had a black and dark gray suit as well. Right. Which I, I love that look on him. But anyway, um, super excited for that. A little bit more Deadpool 3 news. Uh, Jennifer Garner is returning as Electra. I saw that recently, yeah. And you know what? Thank goodness. I mean, she did a really good job as Electra. I know a lot of people don't like that dead or Deadpool, pardon me. Don't like the um the the the, the Batfleck Daredevil movie. The, yeah, yeah, it's Daredevil. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, it's been a week, right? There is a rumor. I don't know how founded the rumor is, but I mean, if if Jennifer Garner's returning, Ben Affleck is 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 there's a rumor he's returning as Daredevil as well. That's a rumor. Jennifer oh. Garner's confirmed okay. Ben Affleck's a rumor. Okay. Like, well, we, we know it's going to have something to do with multiverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Uh, I, I got to say, because we are going to be talking about that a little bit later with Spider-Man uh, across the, the multiverse. Um, Hollywood's got to be really careful here. We'll discuss it a little bit more when we get into that uh, Spider-Man part. Uh-huh. But uh, fans are getting real... Tired of the multiverse real quick. Um, Evan Peters. Speaking of multiversal actors and the characters they played, Evan Peters has joined the Jared Leto-led Tron Ares. Okay. I'm I am down for that. I, I'm not Jared Leto's biggest fan, but I do love me some Evan Peters. I would watch that guy recite the phone book. Listen, um, if Disney wants to give a shot at revamping Tron yet again, that's fine. You're never going to surpass the original from the 80s. Decent sort of follow-up with the sequel, but not terribly memorable other than Michael Sheen was in it. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I like Tron Legacy, I, I re- but yeah, th- there was some... Yeah, there was some stuff in it that was just like, like it's. Well, see, I like it. Young, I remember Jeff, liking it, but it's forgettable. Young Jeff Bridges is the first time I remember Jeff Bridges in that movie when they youngify him up. Is the first time I remember them actually doing that with right. CGI. Yeah, and he looked rubbery and weird yeah. and uncanny. I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, it was cool seeing Daft Punk as the DJs in the club, and yeah, Michael Sheen was just crazy yeah. good. Um, he wasn't in it for long, but he just chewed up the scenery. So right. tons of fun. And um, Olivia Wilde. I, I always enjoy Olivia Wilde. So, um, And finally, director of big budget sci-fi and disaster films, Roland Emmerich, is, uh, he's rolling out a new franchise called Space Nation. I don't know much about it, but the whole idea of it, he's just jumping into the deep end with this thing. We're talking a TV show. We're talking video games, animated shorts, the whole bit, comic books, graphic novels. 
I don't know if he's just gone off the deep end, but sure, why not? You know what? Let's reach back here. Let's go back to previous podcasts that we've talked about. What is it that we're always saying about that? Give us something new. So, hey, Rolly, he's giving us something new. We'll see. Well, I mean, okay, so we got our first look at Zack Snyder's... uh, well, if you're not going to let me make Star Wars, Star Wars, I'll make my own Star Wars with Blackjack and Hooker's movie. So basically, Zack Snyder went to Disney and said, I want to make a Star Wars movie. And they said no. So he's making his own movie. And it's a Star Wars movie. It looks like a Star Wars movie. Because it was supposed to be a Star Wars movie. But that's the thing. is like, okay, here's something new from Zack Snyder. And it's Star Wars. Other than the fact that you and Ren, my millennial falcons, have sort of gotten me interested in learning more about Asuka, I don't care about any Star Wars properties at this point other than Mandalorian and Asuka. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you're into Mandalorian. Um... I just, I don't want anything more. Uh, you've, you've beat that horse to death. Don't come for me, PETA. Don't come for me, animal. It's just an old expression. <laughs> I, I don't want any more Star Wars. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to happen. Disney is going to beat that dead horse until it runs dry. It's a cash cow that they will milk until there's no more milk to be had. Uh-huh. Until the milk then, curdles. E- and even then. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm looking. I would like to see something new, but I just. The more and more things go on, the less and less I feel like it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think that honestly, when we're talking about these old IP properties, the Mandalorian characters like Asuka, that is the way to go. You know, I just leave the original behind, do these sort of stories that take place in the universe, but don't connect in with the Rebel Alliance or if you want to do new stories Jedi or anything. If you want to do new stories in the universe, do new stories in that universe. Yeah what mandalorian is yeah exactly it's a spaghetti western and I, i'm here for it there, star wars always works well with that spaghetti western uh aesthetic there was a there was lord of the rings video game that came out years ago came out alongside the movies and the idea of it was essentially a side core so you played this this party of a dwarf an elf a human and something else i think can't remember and you're going through you're, you're basically following the fellowship, mm-hmm. you're you're like ten steps behind them. So you're going through certain aspects of the movie that they've already gone through as you follow them through. I like that idea of other characters. Things are happening in this setting, happening to other characters. Like there's the 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 final battle of Return of the King, for example. These characters are involved, but while um, Aragorn and his team are on this side of the battlefield. Your team's on this other side. Never the twain shall meet. Right. Um, I, I find things, the idea of a, a side quote, very appealing. I would like to see how other characters react to certain stories. I would like to see those characters' stories unfold in those settings. I think that's a cool idea. One of the things that, that we got tempted with years ago that never, ever came to fruition was actually in Cloverfield. There's a point in Cloverfield where, I can't remember who has the camera at the time. I can't remember the name of the guy with the camera. He looks, and he sees somebody else in the city with a camera, and they lock cameras. And um, the, the director had said that he wanted to make that camera person's story as well and have it be from their point right. of view. 
I like those ideas. I think it's a really compelling idea, something I would love to see someone who's good at filmmaking yeah. do. But yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. But I, I, I would like that idea. As always, Nick, that's a great uh, pop culture roundup that you always give some thought-provoking things. I'm going to add one of my own. Ooh. Yes. Uh, it's not new, but I had a chance to check out Children of the Corn, you know, the, the update that they did on, uh, it's on Shudder. Yeah. So I watched it yesterday, and I just want to give some quick thoughts on it. One, as far as, as far as the story goes, wasn't a bad story. Okay. Wasn't a bad horror movie at all. As far as cinematography went, it had some really great shots and some beautiful looking uh, aesthetics about it. That's all I can say positive about it. Uh, because it's the same problem with the Boogeyman. They named it Children of the Corn. has zero resemblance to the story that Stephen King wrote, other than the fact that there's children, there's corn, and there's he who walks amongst the roads. I want to talk, just before, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't speak too much of it. I just want to talk a little bit about the cinematography in horror lately. Like when we we've we've ripped apart some some yeah. really oh, crappy yeah. horror movies, but of all the things I can say about them, whether it be Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whether it be Halloween Ends, yeah, anything like that, one of the things I'll say: beautiful imagery in these yeah. films, yeah. And if there's anything positive I can say about Halloween Ends, the cinematography is gorgeous. So in this version of Children of the Corn, which has zero resemblance to Children of the Corn, <laughs> I I laugh because. One of the things that I think modern filmmakers don't seem to understand is you don't always have to show us the monster. Yeah. This monster comes out of the corn. Nick, I laughed. Not what you want oh, me no. to do. I Wait, laughed. Was it I'll tell you why I laughed. Because this monster basically is the redneck cousin of Groot. <laughs> I'm Groot. No, it's like, I'm corn. Oh, no. <laughs> this thing looks not good at all. I mean, oh. I, I get it. I get that there were things that they were trying to do that they could do. But again, the, the narrative of this has too many narratives in it because they, they talk about environmentalism. They talk about maybe letting children have too much say and children thinking they have more rights and more privileges than they should have. Um, and then there's the fact that I think there was like one adult in this town that wasn't a complete bag of dirt being the main character's father. No. Um, some really great kills. I will give you that. Some moments that did have you go, gasp. Oh, yes. So, I mean, it was well-written and it was well-directed as a standalone kind of tale. But you have a lot of nerve getting the rights to a Stephen King story and not telling a Stephen King story. Because the original Children of the Corn, they tell the tale. That short story that's in Night Shift, you can sit there and see where they went, okay, we're taking that out. How do we tell a two-hour movie with what we have here? And they, they have those moments in there from that short story 
plus whatever they had to do. Mm -hmm. And it feels like a Stephen King story. This in no way feels like a Stephen King story. While we're on the topic of horror movies, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about one that I saw last week that I, I, I messaged you and I was like, stop what you're doing and watch this film. Uninvited is currently on Shutter. It is about a uh, a couple, an English couple that moved to the Irish countryside. It stars uh, John Hannah Kamen from uh, she played Ghost in Ant Man two, and it's got Colm Meaney, O'Brien himself, and it is they have an infestation, John, in their garden, red caps. Gnomes, goblins, whatever you want to call them, red caps. Oh, it's got uh, it's got Hodor as well. Hodor is in it. Um, but it was such a like it's not a comedy, but it was such a fun little film, and it gave me. It was one of those films where I'm like, you know what? I got everything I wanted from this. And again, while it wasn't a comedy, there was one fun little bit of levity in it that I absolutely died laughing. But it's an hour and a half of. Your fun horror, and if you get a chance to watch it, on an unwelcome, absolutely wonderful. Really loved it. So it, I'm sorry, is it called Unwelcomed or Uninvited? Sorry, Unwelcome. Unwelcome is the name okay. of the movie. Uh, okay. Well, you know that just now brings us to our main topic. So we, because we're talking about movies that are still in theater right now, here is your spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Which one do you want to start with, Nick? Let's talk let's talk about Spider-Man first. Yeah, yeah, you start with that one. Spider-Man Across the Multiverse. Have you seen it? I uh, I have not seen it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, Spider-Verse. Pardon yeah. me. We are just batting a thousand when it comes to the names of these things. I aren't know, we? right? <laughs> uh, this is what happens when Ren's away. <laughs> oh sure, blame Ren. <laughs> no, I'm blaming us for not being as organized as as we normally would be. Um, so across the Spider-Verse. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, it, this isn't really a spoiler, but it made me sit there and go, eh, this is a good movie, first of all. I've heard. I, I haven't seen it yet. The I first one was yet, really but... good. What is spectacular about it is that they use very different, almost too much, actually, but they use very different animation styles and drawings and paintings and all kinds of things in virtually every scene. When I say almost too much, to their detriment, it's one of the things I will pick apart about the movie, I sat there and thought, is it, it wait, is this in 3D? And I actually left to get 3D glasses and it wasn't in 3D. Oh. It was just that they had blurred out certain things. I said, why would you do that? You know, that was that was not a good animation style choice, in my opinion. But uh, it's a story that um, goes a long time because it's uh, about two and a half hours, Ooh. which, you know, for an animated feature, that's that's quite a lengthy time. I did not know this. It's in two parts. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. And I just went, my, my thought was this. I enjoyed it very much. I'm loving uh, following Miles Morales, I'm loving this this kind of iteration of Spider-Man from a different uh, different universe. Yeah. But I don't know who was asking for a two and a half to be continued animated Spider-Man movie. Apparently, not because it's done huge numbers. It's done the box huge office. numbers, but I didn't know that going in. So yeah. I mean, they 
they could have done this movie in one movie, I think. Because there was times where I'm like, oh, this is really feeling very draggy. And that's always the danger when you have a movie that long, mm -hmm. is that it feels like you are dragging things out. And to me, it did feel like they were dragging things out. That you had a really compelling first act, which is setting up how Gwen and Miles are feeling and so forth. It's an introduction of new characters. And then you get to the middle dirge that seems to take forever and go nowhere until we get the complication. Yeah. And then it's rapid, 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 rapid. Oh, 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 oh. How much time you got here leading up to this? To be continued. Uh, all right. I think they could have done it in one movie, Nick. I really do. Now, having said that, I am stoked to see the second one. Yeah. Because I, well, dude, I have to know how the story ends. Well, yeah. But you are, you know, writers, no, taken way too long. Way too well, long. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the writers, and that has a lot more to do with Sony wanting to make a ton of money. Okay, good for you, Sony. This is an animated movie. Um, unless you're like hardcore nerd dork dweeb geeks like us. Uh, adults are taking their kids to it. Kids have mm, attention span. Um, you know. Again? Yeah, it's done well. Done. In, I mean, it's probably done the best out of all the movies so far this summer. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, but it has not been a good summer for movies. Like you like to say, real low bar. Uh -huh. It is, uh, yeah, I mean. because the Flash didn't do well. The Flash bombed. Which was sad because the whole thing with the Flash was Michael Keaton as Batman. And that's that's kind of the thing for me. Just looking at this summer of movies, the longer it goes on, the less excited I am for what's coming out. I didn't watch the Flash. Well, and I I just I wanted to see it initially, but now I just don't care. But it's it's that gets back to what I was saying before. Fans have gotten really tired real quick of the multiverse uh, idea. They don't want it anymore. So whatever you're doing with the multiverse, I think you need to wrap it all up. Whether you're DC, whether you're Marvel, wrap that all up and move on. I think the multiverse thing would be a lot better received if they were doing it properly. Because yeah. what, what they're doing in these movies... Um, now, I haven't seen The Flash. I've seen bits and pieces of it. But what they're doing in a lot of these movies is they are... They're dangling the bait in front of our noses. They're not giving us the full taste of the multiverse. Yeah. We're not getting the full fruit roll-up. They've cut a piece off and just gone, here you go. Well, and let's face facts. I mean, the, the Flash is now there to serve the idea that we're handing over the reins to James Gunn and he's going to do his own thing with DC property. This is what this, this movie does. It sets all that up and makes it completely um, viable because, hey, we don't have those actors anymore. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I will be honest with you, the whole, the, the Ezra Miller controversy, controversy turned me off of it. I think it turned a lot of people yeah. off of it, uh, which is too bad because I will say this, having seen the movie, yes, it was everything having Michael Keaton as Batman. Do I, old Bruce Wayne with Michael Keaton. Do it. Do Batman Beyond. Do Michael it. Keaton. Give me a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. I'll be very happy. Just do it. So I did see somebody posted a scene from The Flash on TikTok. And I marked out watching it hard. 
because they showed Nicolas Cage as Superman. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fighting the giant spider. Fighting the gi-. Somewhere Kevin Smith was going, yes. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> listen, uh, listen, aliens, whoever's listening, pass it along. We really don't want a Nicolas Cage as Superman movie. We really don't. It's it's fun in this kind of idea to put these little smatterings where Nicolas Cage played Superman in a cartoon movie where you have this in the alternate universe kind of thing, but we actually don't want it. Now, Nicolas Cage as a Superman villain, maybe. Maybe super maybe Nicolas Cage could play Bizarro if he beefs up a bit. Um I blew your mind there, didn't I? I'd be down for that. I mean, here's the thing. I, there is a very morbid part of me that wants to see Nicolas Cage as Superman in a live-action film. But that's a very morbid part, so we won't go there. Uh, we saw about as much of Nicolas Cage, and I love Nicolas Cage, don't get me wrong. Uh, we have seen, I have seen about as much as Nicolas Cage as Superman from The Flash as I want to see. <laughs> Thank you very much. Fair enough. Uh, fair now, enough. Th- there is some controversy surrounding that, too. Some people were really down for all of the um, homages and honoring of past properties, and some people were not. And I, I'm i not quite sure what to even say about that, because it's either you loved it or you didn't. Uh, some people were thinking, like, you were basically grave robbing them, and other people were like, yes, I, for one, I'm on the side of, like, when Adam West... Yeah, uh, shows up as as Batman, and like I mean, he doesn't really show up. Yeah, Batman, I know. But you know, and they they show Christopher Reeve next to Helen Slater and as Supergirl. And I'm just like, that was cool. Yeah, I was applauding. So we're supposed to be talking about Spider Man, but here we are talking about the Flash. But uh, but I think it's because there's not much I can say about um, the Spider Verse, really. Yeah, I don't think there'll be much to say about it until it's done. Well, that's yeah. the third movie comes out. Uh, other than, as far as it goes, it's a home run for Sony. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, people should see it. Watching it on the big screen, is, I'm going to give you this warning, though. It's flashy. And I don't know if, if people are just stopping to think about this when they make movies. You would definitely cause seizures for people that um, suffer from that's something to think about. Uh, a lot of times uh, now, some movies will carry that warning beforehand. Yeah, I didn't see a warning for that warning in our that. theater, but that's our theater. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but it's something that really kind of got on me. And I think it kind of speaks to the people that are making films now and people that they feel are watching the films. Because honestly, they, they're not, they didn't make this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they didn't give Gen X a, a thought in this because they're thinking that's not our audience. Everything happened so rapidly that it was hard for me to follow. I'm not talking about the storyline. I'm talking about the action and all the this switch, switching here, switching there, all over the place. So I, I mean, I don't know if that's um, because your generation is the first generation that has multitasked when it comes to that kind of thing, where you yeah. are watching TV and texting and doing your homework. Yeah. Um, again, I, I haven't seen it. I can't speak to that aspect of it, but yeah, yeah. that's all right. My, my um, generation, like the, the only thing we're multitasking to is like, we had the radio on maybe while we were doing our homework. 
So before we get into uh, our our next film, Indiana Jones and the Wheelchair of Doom, uh, I do want to go. I do want to go back a little bit and talk about the box office and yeah, okay, how things are shaping up for the summer. AMC from the states. That's the big movie. One of the big movie houses yeah, in the states. Yeah. They have reported that they they have a subscription service. Uh, so you pay X amount a month and you get X amount of tickets, so on and so forth. Twenty thousand of their members have pre-purchased tickets for Barbie and Oppenheimer. They are doing the the Barbieheimer uh, uh, double feature, which I am. I I'm think, down for it. Yeah, Let's do it. Yeah, uh, I know you, Ren wants to do that. You know what? You, me, and Ren should do that. I like what they posted, mm-hmm. where you start off with like Oppenheimer with like a cup of coffee and you know a your typical breakfast. Now we don't smoke, but they were saying you know a cup of coffee and a cigarette, and then you go in and you watch Oppenheimer, and then you do a a, a brunch or something yeah. like that, and then it's like uh, you watch Barbie with then you have like go out for drinks or whatever afterwards. It's you know what it sounds like a fun day. If if uh, Barbie Heimer doesn't do well, you might as well write off the rest of the summer. Oh, yeah. The rest of the summer is just going to die. Well, you I'm, know what? Not, loving... not, not, not even the summer. You might as well just write off the rest of, of the year for movies. I'm loving the memes that are come out, coming out of it, too. Like, I saw the one. Uh, it was a big pink mushroom cloud. And somebody's like, oh, looks like some, somebody's getting ready for Barbie Heimer. Uh, you know <laughs> what? Uh, Barbie can't do poorly. I mean, if, if Barbie does poorly, then there's something wrong. With the world, because you got Margot Robbie, you have uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling, Gosling. Yeah. you have Simu Liu. I yeah. mean, th- these are just like three big names. And then, you know, Will Ferrell, which I'm not the biggest Will Ferrell fan, but I like what he's doing. He's playing like the CEO of Mattel. He's essentially playing Lord Business again from the Lego yeah. movie, which I'm fine with. Here's my thing with Will Ferrell. I do not, with the exception of Step Brothers, with the harsh exception of Step Brothers... I do not like Will Ferrell's own produced movies. When he's when he is off the leash, it, it's bad. But when he is working for someone else, he is he's top notch. He, he's very talented. Yeah. I don't. I I really liked him in Welcome to Sweden. He had a, a, a one off episode where he's in Welcome to Sweden. He's talented. There's no doubt. It's what he does with the scripts, or like you said, perhaps with his own. Yeah. Um, you you can get a little bit too much into that. I mean, I, I have done that as a director and producer myself where you have to sit there and you go, I need a second pair of eyes yeah. because I don't want to put the blinders on. But when you're when you're Will Ferrell and you're producing it and you're starring in it and you're writing in it, sure, you have a director, but is that director who's probably your friend yeah. going to pull you back? No. Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again. My favorite Will Ferrell movie will... Pretty much always be Elf. And that's because John Favreau was able yeah. to sit there and go, dude, reel it back a bit. Yeah and, Which... and, <laughs> yeah, and it really speaks to just the humor and the good humor of it, you know, yeah. and, and the supporting cast. So I think we've talked about so many different things. It's like we have ADHD today, but that's okay. Now it is time to focus on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Meh. The Dial of Destiny. I'm sorry, the Dial of Destiny. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. What did I say? You said the Dial of Meh. Yeah, I did, didn't I? So, some might some might think you didn't like the movie, John. I didn't dislike it. 
I just didn't like it. All right. Okay. Here, here's here. Okay. You you go first. You go first. I liked it. There were aspects of the movie I liked. That that opening scene. Opening scene's fine. Fantastic. Yeah, that great. that opening scene was the best Indiana Jones movie I've seen since Raiders of or, uh, the, yeah. since the Raiders Last of the Crusade. Lost Last Crusade. Yeah. All right. Um, Phoebe Waller Bridge. I absolutely adore Phoebe Waller Bridge. I will. I love the stuff that she's written. I love her own produced stuff. Okay. She was fine in this movie. I love Toby fine. Jones as always. Mads Mikkelsen was the best aspect of this film for me. Mads Mikkelsen cool. is always a good villain. I I you must I, be easier to please than me. Maybe I don't know. My my whole thing with it was just Harrison Ford is old. Uh, that that bo- that was the thing that bothered me the least. Actually, all the things that you're talking about made this not a great movie for me. Because I personally, and I know people disagree with me, I don't know why everybody trashes Kingdoms, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls as much as they do, because it's basically an Indiana Jones movie. Um, but let's start with that. You had mentioned about um, the actors that are in this. Not a lot of chemistry, I didn't feel. No, I agree with that. Um, there, was, there was no energy between yeah. them. Again, here's the thing. I like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Um, I love the voice work she did in, in Solo. Yeah. I I love Fleabag. Yeah. She did another TV show. Yeah, she's talented. I, yeah. She, she's she's, um, there was she's a t- watchable. I can't remember the name of it, but she, she wrote a TV show before Fleabag. And the girl that she cast in the main lead was essentially her. Like, she even looked like Phoebe yeah. Waller-Bridge. But it was clearly her exploits as a, as a 20-something. Yeah. But she's, she's fantastic, but she just... I, I think some of it, like, this is what I'm going to say about it. Do you remember me telling you about my mother's lemon squares? Yeah. My mother is a devious little old woman. Uh, I, I wasn't going to say this until she passed away, but most of the ladies from church in her generation are either already passed away or probably wouldn't care anymore. My mother would always take lemon squares to the church potluck supper mm-hmm. as a dessert. Everybody in that generation loved them. They looked forward to the potluck suppers for my mom's lemon squares. Because the men loved them so much, all of the wives wanted mom's recipe for her lemon squares. And mom gave them the recipe. But mom left out her special secret flavor note that she puts in the lemon squares. Mm -hmm. So while they had the actual recipe, because the actual recipe did not have mom's special flavor note in it, Basically, they would come back and say, Amelia, I don't know what I did wrong, but they didn't turn out as well as yours. So this is my comparison to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. All the ingredients were there, but a flavor note seemed to be missing. I know exactly what it was. No Spielberg, no Lucas. They put money behind it. That's probably about it. And I guarantee it didn't more... feel like it belonged. It felt like, you know, Indiana Jones off Wish. I, I you don't know? know if I necessarily agree with that. Well, okay, but part of why I say that, too, is because you have people like Antonio Banderas. You have uh, Toby Jones. Mm-hmm. You have Mad Mickelson. You have uh, all these wonderful cameos in it that they didn't do anything with. 
Yeah, I felt like Antonio Banderas was just there to get them to the to the end of the term. And Which he then, was, but why why use Antonio Banderas? Like, I'm sorry, is he not getting money? And Harrison Ford said, um, I'm sorry, Antonio. Uh, come on in, we'll give you a paycheck. I mean, what's going on with yeah. that? It was it was a waste of Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I, I felt that as well. Um, and and you're right, Mads Mikkelsen can play a great villain. Mm-hmm. He just didn't in this one because they didn't give him anything to do. He was not, he lacked, he, I didn't feel like he was sinister. I didn't feel like there was menace. I was, didn't feel like, all I felt was that he had a goal in mind and he didn't care what happened to anybody else along with that, as long as he got that goal. Yeah. Um, he was, he, he's a man obsessed in this film. That is basically it. But even the obsession didn't come through. It was very one note and very kind of flat, um, which is not, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's the, the script and the way it was written Fair. out and, Fair. and the direction. Fair. Um, I just. And didn't it kind of feel like Indiana Jones was just kind of bumbling along? Yeah. I mean, to an extent, it kind of makes sense. And and I, I you know, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to pick on the kid. I feel sorry for him. Uh, we did have the short round from Wish. Yeah. That honestly, that character, it might the script might have been better served with that character not being in it. Yeah, I I'm I'm not going to agree or disagree with that. Just yeah. It, it at the end of, at the end of the day I there was a point where I was kind of sitting there going is this thing over yet yeah I didn't hate it I oh I love Harrison Ford I love him as Indiana Jones yeah I liked seeing him with Marion again at the end yeah um John Reese Davies again yeah and they had they really had to do that they had to yeah. bring Marion in yeah um I understand what what it did for the character. For Indiana Jones's character, I liked Mutt from the last movie. Yeah, and getting an off-screen death in the Vietnam but War just seemed like a disservice. That's what I'm talking about, though. I mean, everyone's ripping on Kingdom of Crystal Skulls. At least all the actors in that had chemistry. Yep. I now, mean, mind you, mind you, your Phoebe, Wall- your Phoebe Waller Bridge. I mean, Phoebe Waller Bridge has got to be about my age or so, maybe mm-hmm. a little younger. And you are in front of. Harrison Ford, one of Hollywood's biggest legends. I don't think I would have chemistry with him because I'd be crapping myself because it's Harrison freaking Ford. Then why would Shia LaBeouf have had such great chemistry with him? Because Shia LaBeouf is legitimately crazy. <laughs> Just do it! No. Yeah. I, I, I loved him in that role. If Disney had a problem with Shia LaBeouf, though, they could have just recast Mutt Williams and it would have been fine. Yeah, because I kind of feel like maybe that's it's kind of it's kind of the same thing with Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls when you really get down to it. You know that John Hurt was really meant yes. to be Sean Connery, right? Yeah. That, that you can feel that 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 was meant to be his dad for like Sean Connery just went, I'm retired now, I don't want to do any more movies, shut shit. You know? Well, I mean, and here's the thing. Sean, Sean Connery was offered the role of Gandalf. Yeah. And he re- he read the script and went, well, I don't understand this. <laughs> I guarantee you, Spielberg handed Sean Connery the, Sean Connery the script for Kingdom's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and he went, no, 
No. Yeah, and you know it's it's kind of a shame that he did that because that means his last movie was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. What he, was what his last after? movie? I I can't remember what it's called. I, I thought it was not, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's his last. Well, to be fair, that's his last live action film. Oh, he okay. did a cheap little animated film about what is basically his animated avatar playing golf. <laughs> And that is his last film. And I don't know why he did that, but he sure did. Because he could. Because he was Sean Connery. I have to, no I, one says no to Sean Connery. I have to tell this story. Oh, my gosh. Years ago, uh, we have a very exclusive golf yeah. course around here. Very exclusive. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II stayed there when she visited this area in Canada. That's how exclusive this is. So Sean Connery has golfed there. Mm-hmm. Many, many years ago, Sean Connery, it was the big leak, huge celebrity that Sean Connery was in the area playing at Redtail Golf Course. So I didn't realize he had stayed around, you know, because it was late in the season that he was playing, right? Yeah. So it's getting close to Christmas Eve. I'm in the old LCBO with mm-hmm. a friend of mine. And I see this very tall gentleman with the tweed hat and the coat and the beard and the whole thing. And I look at this gentleman and I say to my friend, I said, that man looks just like Sean Connery. The gentleman gets a smirk on his face and whatever, and off we go. And because we're thinking Christmas and all this kind of stuff, we get about halfway down the road. And I went, oh, my God. And my friend's like, what? I said, that was Sean Connery. <laughs> so I remember I lived I lived in Port Stanley uh, for a good chunk of my childhood, and one of the summers he rolled in in his big catamaran yeah. with Mel Gibson, yeah, yeah, and the town was alight with that one. Yeah. Um, and his 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 uh personal chef went into the uh the the Nectals grocery store there the one day, and people were asking him questions and. The amount of food that that this guy bought, yeah, oh my god, it had to have rolled into the like five digits. I'm sure, absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was the the catamaran yeah. was massive. Yeah, like I don't know how it fit in our in the Port Stanley docks. Uh, I don't either because because Port Stanley, or as we lovingly call it, Port, is not that big. No, it's not. I I, I imagine that they had to pull up a couple of uh of the docks for the catamaran yeah. but yeah it was it was so big yeah and you know the funny thing is as i haven't really heard i mean we're, we're way off topic but that's okay i haven't really heard too much um buzz lately from red tail as to anybody that's maybe been there or hasn't been there so it's still exclusive i know that but yeah. uh uh you can drive by it you can see the the back I don't know it's hole number eight or something like that. You can see the but you can you can sort of see the the house if you want to call it the mansion if you will mm-hmm. in the distance kind of the clubhouse. Um, but man, just to uh, yeah, we've had a lot of celebrities in this area. Um, but let's get back on track. So, let's let's talk let's talk Nick because honestly I don't want to trash Dial of Destiny because again like I said it was an Indiana Jones movie. There was a flavor note missing from it. 
I think you're right on the money when it's the the Lucas Spielberg note. Uh, it's 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 the the lack of that extra lemon juice that my mother puts in the recipe. Well, now people know. I don't care. All right. So <laughs> she she's some the, the recipe has to live on, Nick, because you know my mom's eighty four. Fair. All right. So tell me, what is something that you liked about the film? Um. Well, basic. Well, the the basic story. You know, the basic story was fine. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the basic story. I like the actors that were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I said, I, I didn't dislike it. It's watchable. But when you compare it to other outings, mm-hmm. even Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls, don't come for me, it's my opinion, it's flat. It's like opening up a fresh pop or soda, as they say in the, the States, versus one that's been in the fridge and open for a while. It was Flat. Flatter than four o'clock. Okay. Um, I loved the chase through New York. Yeah. I thought that was great. I, I That's also a criticism I had. I thought they relied on way too much on chases. I will agree with that as well. The Tup Tup chase was really long. Yeah. Like that was a bit And much. we had just had one. Uh, like Indiana Jones. There's always chases in Indiana, sure. Indiana Jones. Absolutely sure. And the whip and the fedora and yeah. But that was that was a bit much. That did go on a little too long. Um, I, I, I I didn't initially dislike it, but after thinking about it, after discussing it, I really do. I really did dig Indy as the crotchety old man. Yeah. Because it made sense. Yeah. And one of the things that yeah was the story me, made sense. One of the things that was brought to me because I I just one of the things I I just don't like seeing the heroes I grew up with being crotchety old men. But one of the things that Ren brought to me is that Ren has spent time around archaeologists. Yeah. Old archaeologists. Yeah. That's how they are. Yeah. And that's fine. I loved the the dualism between like you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark when when Dr. Jones goes into class and you've got the girl yeah. with I love you yeah. written on yeah. her eyelids. And then we have him as an old man. And these people couldn't give a flying crap yeah. that he's teaching them archaeology. Yeah. The all they care, Dr. Jones. All yeah. they care about is the moon landing. Which, fine, 1969. Sure, I get yeah. that. But at the same time... Which, hmm. which brings me back to the uh, CIA agent. So you, you have some nice diversity in here. Again, it's my criticism of the movie where you have these... Great kind of characters. We're talking 1969, not that far out of segregation. So yeah. this this uh, very strong black woman in this really great role that you think is going to go out well, throughout yeah. the movie and popped. Yeah, for no that. reason. I hated that. So I I mm, I love that character. Yeah, great. Character. I thought she was great, and then she just dies. I'm like, stupid. Yeah, for yeah, it was the worst decision I think they could have made because there needed to be that continual chase of not only Mads Mikkelsen coming for the dial or the the other half of the the dial, the instrument that gets in the dial, but also her chasing them. Yeah, you know, and it just it really kind of felt contrived because after Kingdom of Crystal Skulls. We had this nice family moment. Really wish Sean Connery had done it so that we had, you know, Dr. Jones Sr. in it as yeah. well. Because then you would have had the the father. The, you would have had the grandfather, the father, and the, the son. Right? Um, and that would have been a really great sort of, you know, the Jones boys yeah. last ride kind of thing. 
Um, so this is Indiana's goddaughter. Felt contrived, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and like, there's the thing is like, I love Toby Jones, but we've never seen that character before. We didn't have no. that. We didn't have that connection. No, and it was that felt a little forced. Now you saw it with Ren's parents. Mm-hmm. I know that Beth loves Indiana Jones. How did she feel about it? She liked it. Yeah. She really liked it. Um, yeah, well, like that was kind of the thing. Well, like she's going to hate her podcast. Probably. <laughs> uh, we, we, we sat there and discussed it. I mean, she, she felt that it was made for a specific generation of film goers, and right. that's fine. I agree with her on that. Um, Which generation? An older generation. The, the, the generation that... Like my generation and up. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, they kind of failed on that. I think. <sighs> it's hard for my... I, I think it is hard for my generation to sit there... And accept this old man as the hero, yeah. Because, and it, like I love Harrison Ford, I really do. But that, but that, he he himself is like there's more there's but, more Harrison Ford in this Indiana Jones than they let on. But that is uh, actually to me um, the smart thing about the writing is the fact that most of what was happening uh, with Indiana Jones was that he. In the other movies, he's out on the quest. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, he got forced into the quest. Yeah. And so everything that is happening isn't necessarily by his design or his choice. He's not really after something. He's out trying to prevent something and trying to convince uh, Wombat, his goddaughter, to not do the things that she's doing. I think that's kind of indicative to his age as well, because there there does come to a point in in a person's life where the things are no longer happening to you they're happening around you and you're just wrapped up in the in the ride mm-hmm. and i think that's a very real aspect of the film yeah like when um say a grandchild does something well let's put it another way um i i didn't get married or have children that's not a secret yeah my brother got married uh has one son mm-hmm. so if something were to happen with my nephew it wouldn't necessarily be something that would be happening to me directly, but I would be involved. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that that's kind of the kind of it. His god his goddaughter shows up. She's a criminal, uh, and he just kind of he's involved. Uh, yeah, really well, he's involved, involved because because she got him involved because she, being followed by the CIA, goes to see him. Who is this guy? Oh, this is Doctor Indiana Jones. You know all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, what's in? What's his involvement? What's Doctor Jones' involvement? People at the university on his retirement day get killed. He's in shock that they're killed. He doesn't want to die, so now he has to pull out his old Indiana Jones tricks and go, "How am I not going to die? Yeah, you know, how am I going to get out of this? I'm getting too old for this nonsense." Um, and so now he's wrapped up in a mystery, and I think that that's kind of like I did like that. I that yeah. concept in the script writing where Indiana Jones is wrapped up in a mystery rather than a quest. Yeah. And that, that was cool. Um, but I also like the, the, uh, the, the struggle that he had at the end where he's like, I, I don't want to give that ending away, even though we've issued a spoiler alert, but I mean, it does involve time travel, right? Yeah. And he's displaced. He doesn't really, know what he wants to do right and and i i understand that as i'm getting older i feel displaced a little bit myself i i have no relation with the younger generation uh past millennials um and i don't i'm not old old 
So I don't know where I really fit because as I'm watching this, again, Indiana Jones, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was a teenager. So I'm watching all the properties and all of the celebrities and all of the uh, rich things that I grew up with. We've talked about it many times where I was alive before a lot of these things. And I'm watching them either retire or pass away or be forgotten. Or, I mean, you ask somebody under your age, somebody who's like Gen Z and below, maybe. They don't even know who Elvira is. Unless they're maybe into the goth scene. Well, yeah, like, I'm pretty sure the only reason Zipper knows who Elvira is is because of us. Yeah. And because they're, you know, goth. So, yeah. But, yeah, like, if I were to walk up to an average Gen Z out there and be like, hey, do you know who Elvira is? Yeah. And in fairness, I don't know who their celebrities are, but at the same time, their celebrities are coming from things like YouTube and all this place. And they, they're not lasting. They're like, here's the latest flash in the pan. It, it depends. Like, if you look at someone like Bella Porch. Bella Porch showed up on TikTok one day, lip-syncing to a song, and she's been able to pivot that into a successful recording career. She has her own Funko Pop. Like, And do you hear the crickets chirping in my head? Yeah, I know. You don't know who Bella Porch is. But the thing is, is Gen Z does. To a certain extent, millennials do. Yeah, so this is my, my problem. Because we are a pop culture podcast, I'm losing touch with the pop culture. So I'm I'm trying to keep the vintage retro pop culture alive. Yeah. But I'm not up on the new stuff. And again, part of that criticism for me is because it happens really I'm I mean, listen, I'm impressed I know who Dove Cameron is. <laughs> you know. Me too. I, I I'm impressed by that. But it's just like it just happens so rapidly that it's like, well, this person is new and famous now. Yay. And I'm like, I I'd never heard of them. Well, they're retiring. Oh, oh, okay. If Dove Cameron retires, that that would just be amazing. No, no but you, no, you know, you like, know, you know what I mean. She's like twenty six. I know, but, but you know what? Yeah, I, mean. I know what you mean. Um, but like that's the thing though is like it's it. Media, the medium has changed. The medium has evolved and it has turned into a multi headed hydra. Yeah. And now, I mean, just recently. Meta has released Threads, which is their um, their take on Twitter. So, and and how many different Twitter competitors have I mentioned this past year? Oh, we're now on Hive. We're now on Mastodon. Like nobody cares. Yeah, these things come and go. Now Meta's got a hundred million subscribers for Threads so far. Well, so we'll see what goes there. You might hear. You might at the area fifty one H on Threads might be a thing, but I'm not going to adopt it that early. One, I one. I don't know how, how how well it'll go to. I just don't like meta, um, but yeah, like it's all these different things, and someone finds a way to take advantage of the platform, and becomes famous. Uh, so just before we wrap things up, Nick, <laughs> I want to talk talking about people that became famous that were not supposed to necessarily be famous. Uh, I'm going to talk about two two special ladies from uh, Days Gone By. <laughs> In the 80s, we had Dr. Ruth Westheimer, you know, talking about sex, right? right? And in the, was it 90s and early 2000s, there was Dr. Sue Johansson. Rest in peace. Yep, she just recently passed away. Listen, um, younger generations... You have no idea what it was like learning about sex from grandmas. <laughs> the Sunday night sex show. That was, that was a thing. 
Yeah, but we had, in my generation, we had to listen to Dr. Ruth kind of secretly, you know, on radio where our parents yeah. couldn't hear it, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go upstairs and do my homework because it's time for Dr. Ruth. And you won't talk about sex with me, so, you know. But they were, like, Dr. Ruth, not not necessarily Sue Johansson. Sue Johansson was, a, was definitely a cultural icon here in Canada. Yeah. But Dr. Ruth popped, like, she was definitely a pop culture icon. Well, she popped up in advertisements, TV shows, but doing think, cameos. I think it was because Dr. Ruth, um, was some, she had that little voice, and she was, uh, yeah. she had this well, she, voice. She right? was a legitimate character. And she was kind of funny, right? Yeah. Sue Johansson was no nonsense. It yeah. was like, here's a sex toy. Here's, <laughs> this is I, how you put on a contraceptive. I was flipping through the channels one Sunday night when I was a kid, just, and then I stopped. Did, did that woman have what I thought she had in her hands? I go back, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. And no, no, no shade. Now, okay, so we, we are, we do try to be a family friendly show. So I'm, We'll put in a little warning about this section of it so that gee, anyone that doesn't want to hear it, I got to tell you a funny story from when I was a personal support worker. Okay. So Claire Nelson was a health nurse. Okay. That was her job. And so she taught us our personal support worker courses. Right. One of the things that Claire used to do is go around to the schools and show young women how to put a condom on right to do this she had certain shall we say phallic things that they could practice putting a condom on yes her son oh dear oh was no really in love with this girl okay and was going to take her out on a date oh no and claire was late with the car oh dear claire comes oh home. no claire comes home with the car doesn't have time to say anything to him. Grabs he grabs the keys. Off he goes to pick up his date. He picks up his date. Being a perfect gentleman, escorts her to the car. Opens the door for her. On the passenger side, is a box full of basically these dildos. Marital aids. That no, that are used <laughs> to show young women how to put contraceptives on. He turns to his date very quickly and says, They're my mother's. <laughs> <laughs> and then he had to explain that his mother was a health care nurse who taught sex education and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. So, I mean, really, this, this right now we're in a situation where people are really up in arms about sex education, but it's been going on a long, long yeah. time. And, you know, we have um, so many sex education pioneers to thank, like Dr. Ruth Wetheimer, Sue Johansson, and, of course, Claire Nelson. <laughs> I got nothing else. <laughs> and on that note, I think that maybe by the next time we come around, we are really looking forward to our Barbieheimer. Yeah, uh, Barbieheimer Day. Um, I I hope both those movies do well because um, it's kind of weird being in a summer of flatlining movies. Yeah, I've never seen a summer like this before since the pandemic. I don't know what to say about it. I mean, ah, 
Okay. I, I, I get it. It's expensive going to movies now. To take your brood to the movies, it's that is, expensive. Well, and that that's kind of the thing. I've, I've, okay. Um, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, came to Toronto. And this guy wanted to take... He has four kids. He wanted to take his four kids and his wife to go see AEW. Mm-hmm. To get, once he gets the tickets, gets parking, and gets food and drinks and all that, it was going to cost him $900 for his entire family. Yeah. It's getting ridiculous out there. Well, think about this way. A movie, right? Now, around yeah. here, movie prices are still pretty good. So yeah. even if you go on cheap night, it's still expensive. So we're going to round the movie ticket to $10 just because it's easy to do the math. Yeah. My buddy Mark, there's six of them. Mm-hmm. There's Mark, his wife, the four kids. 60 bucks just to get in. You better hope that it's a good movie. Well, and there, uh, I've, I have uh, the subscription to uh, the Cineplex yeah. Plus thing, right? Yeah. So for 10 bucks a month, I get a free ticket and then discounted tickets. So yeah. it, it's, it literally pays for itself. Yeah, and I've got the scene points. So yeah. if, if I do it properly, I never have to pay for a movie. Yeah. Um, I get a discount at the uh, at the concession stand as well. Fantastic. It if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't see as many movies. At least wouldn't see as many movies as I yeah. did. I just and the fact of the matter is, is with movies at the premium they are right now, I have to think: Do I really want to waste my hard earned dollar on this piece of crap? Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing: is movies are meant to be seen on the big screen. You do not get. The same, no matter how big a TV you have, you do not get the same feeling. You just don't. Yeah, like if if movie theaters ever went away, I would be so distraught. I'd be so upset. They might. I know. They might. Um, But on that note, Nick. On that cheery note. On that cheery note. (laughs) That is all the time we have for this episode of Area 51 and a half. Nick, reminder aliens how they can get a hold of us. You can find us on social media, TikTok, Instagram. Twitter and who knows maybe threads in the future <laughs> at the at the area 51 H Facebook search for area 51 and a half and YouTube search for area 51 and a half and don't forget to check out our new Patreon or uh, our link will be in the write-up all right so for Nick and myself spooky uncle John thank you for joining us on our landing pad aliens and we'll see you next time Jokes on you boys, your techno mage is always here.